You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. Well, again, good morning. We continue our series in 1 John. We're going to be focusing on the middle of the chapter of 3, verses 11 through 24, then a couple verses in chapter 4, 19 through 21. In my generation, there was a popular song sung by Tina Turner. Anybody remember Tina, Tina Turner? She's still singing, I think, today. Phenomenal at her age. She still has that wonderful voice. But it's a song called What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, I'm not going to sing her song. I'm going to read some lyrics of that song. Because if I would sing that song, everybody would be running out of the congregation. It's like, yikes, who is this guy? Um, but here, listen to these words. He says, she says, oh, what's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love but a sweet old-fashioned notion? What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Where for the Apostle John in this passage to this letter to this church, love means everything. Love has everything to do with our relationships with one another because love has everything to do with our relationship that we have with God and God has for us. And so John, as he understands that, he is challenging us. If we want to discern our relationship with God, then we must, we must evaluate the love that we have for one another. So listen to how John values this love relationship with God and then with one another in these passages in 1 John 3 and 4. This is the word of the Lord. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For, whoever our, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is the commandment which we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Then in chapter 4, verses 19 and 21. We love because he first loved us. 
If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Again, Father, we come and we hear this, these tender words, but challenging words from, from the Apostle John to this church, but also your words to us today. And as we read these words, we're challenged, we're convicted, hopefully we're encouraged as well. But Holy Spirit, we do pray that you would do your work of grace, renewing us and convicting us and changing us as we spend this time together around your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, probably many years ago now, the late Robin Williams started a movie called Patched Adams, which was based on a true-life story of a very unconventional medical student. Early in, in Patched Adams' life, he tried to commit suicide because he had lost purpose in life and direction. His life was spared, and as he was recovering in the hospital, he discovered that helping people made him feel better about himself. So with this newfound discovery, he checked himself out of the hospital and enrolled himself into medical school. And so as he began to attend medical school, intend to do his practices, Patch, Patch challenged the, the established medical establishment. He made everyone uncomfortable because he made people feel, face the fact that they had forgotten the purpose of a hospital. And for him, the purpose of the hospital for doctors and nurses was not just to help patients, quote-unquote. The purpose of the hospital was to love and help people. So over and over again, throughout the movie, he went out of his way to show acts of love to people. John, in this passage this morning, challenges each of us today to answer this question. How are we loving others in the church? How are we loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as how are we loving those in our community, especially in light of last week when we talked about being God's beloved children? See, John really goes after us in this passage and leaves us nowhere to hide as he exhorts us with one of the most central truths of Christianity. Because we are loved by God through the work of Christ, we are to love others. Jesus John knows that, that, this, that, that because there are, he, he shares this because he knows the challenges that there's some issues going on in the church, that they're having difficulty loving one another. There's those in the church that were trying to challenge their faith and their love. And so John, again, needs to remind them to love. And if we're honest, we know that we struggle oftentimes to love in our relationships. We often treat people like projects or patients more than like people created by the image of God. We ignore, we, we, we disrespect, we judge, we don't sacrifice for others. So let's explore what love looks like in this passage according to John. And there's four categories I want us to focus on. The first category is love's opposite in our relationships with others. The second thing I want to talk about is the character of love in our relationships with others, then the practice of love in our relationships with others, and then the confirmation of love in our relationships with others. Look with me again. I will not read these verses, but look again on the, uh, in the 
PowerPoints, verses 11 and 15 and 4 and 20. John here gives us an extreme example of love's opposites, a family destroyed and wrecked by hate. It's a true story of Cain, which is found in Genesis 4, the first book of the Bible. Cain was one of the first two sons of Adam and Eve. Both Cain and Abel made an offering to God. But God did not accept Cain's offering, but he did accept Abel's offering. And because of that, Cain became extremely angry and jealous and envious, and that led him to kill his brother Abel. But what's interesting, even before Cain killed Abel, the Lord asked Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, be, will you not be accepted? But if you, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to, ha- to have you, but you must master it. You see, Cain's offering was rejected because of Cain's lack of faith. And as shown in his actions, even before murdering his brother, they were not of faith. And Hebrews, in, the, in, the, in the, one of the letters in Hebrew, called Hebrews in the New Testament, we see that Abel made his offering by faith, and Cain did not. So we see in Cain's the opposite of love, which starts first with a lack of faith in God. And as that lack of faith in God existed, he became angry, he became jealous. He became resentful. He became bitter. He had a disregard for life, and he murdered. See, John gives us Cain as an example of how God's people must not treat one another in our relationships. Why? In verse 14 and 15, we see why. See, we have a new life. See, this kind of hate is not to be in the lives of God's children. What does he say? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever one, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. See, if in your relationships hate is being expressed in Cain-like ways like jealousy and bitterness and resentfulness and unforgiveness and self-righteousness and being judgmental, or ignoring people in need, if that is defining you more than love, then do we really we need to evaluate what's going on in our relationship with God? Because that's what Cain's problem was. Primarily, is his relationship with God. Because that was not, he was not pursuing that relationship with God, that, and then, and it, that propelled him to then to relate to others and relate to his brother Abel in, in horrible, hateful ways that led to murder. How are we loving? Especially in this context where John knows that the world is going to hate you. But he's encouraging them, do not hate back. In verse 13, John encourages that even when the world, those who've left the church, those who are trying to distract you from the the main thing, keeping the gospel the main thing, even those people, you're called to love them and not to hate them back. I love how Martin Luther King challenges us and convicts us in this statement. He says, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. 
Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. Toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. So friends, let us think about our relationships. Let me think about my relationships. Do you see hints of this Cain-like quality? If we're honest, it's much easier to hate like Cain than to love in our relationships like Jesus. It's easier to disrespect people who we value as less than. It's easier to be resentful and bitter to those who have treated us unfairly. It's easier to cuss out a person who cuts you off in traffic. It's easier to judge and assume bad motives on those who disagree with you. It's easier to revenge those who hurt you. It's easier to hate others who hate you. It's easier to be jealous of another's position. It's easier to be envious of another person, what that person has and that you don't. And it's easier not to forgive the offenses of another. But even if that's the case, we must remember that if you have put your faith in Christ, you have a new life. You are his child. And in this new life, in this family identity, that will help us to love. See, this new life that God has given us is that inner drive that leads us to care and love others. So this brings us to the second category of love. What is the character of love in our relationship with others? We know what hate looks like. And if we're honest, we know that we often resemble that. And we're thankful for God's forgiveness. But what is, what is the character of love in our relationships with others? Look at verses 16 and verse 9. And, and I'm sorry, in chapter 4, verses 19. John says this, By this we know love, what? That he laid down his life for us. And then in verse 4, 19, we love because why? He first loved us. So what is the character of love? What's the first quality? This love is from God. It's not a sentimental love. It's a love that we can't humanly work up. We are incapable to love this way. It's only love that is from God. The character of love is defined by God. And it's defined ultimately in who? Jesus Christ. This love is sacrificial. The love from God is ultimately seen in Jesus laying down his life for you and for me. See, it's in Christ we see which expends itself in the interest of others. It goes out of a way to show love. It, is, it wasn't easy for God the Father to send his Son to die for you and for me, but he did to show us that unconditional, sacrificial love that he has. Even in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, we see Jesus is a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep on his own accord. Even Paul, in his description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, is a love that is God's love. It's a, it is a supernatural love. It's agape love, a love that's not proud, that's not boastful, that's not self-seeking, it's not jealous. It does not rejoice in evil or hate, but it's kind, it's patient, it's gentle, it's thoughtful, it's compassionate, it's caring. That is God's love. That's a character of God in his love for us. But this love is also effectual. This love produces its desired results. As the good shepherd Jesus lays down his life for his sheep, it effectually 
works in us so that, that we're always his sheep. We will always belong to him. He will not sever this relationship with us. His love is binding. That's a character of his love. And that is what the love, that kind of love is what makes our relationships matter. Makes our relationships valuable and precious. See, God's sacrificial, effectual love is demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Makes it possible for us to love then in practical ways. So let's look at those practical ways of loving in our relationships with others. Look at verses 16 and 8 through 18. See, because of the, exact, the extravagant love that God has shown to us in the person and work of Christ that we receive through faith, we ought now to show that kind of love to others. Look what he says. We, so he laid down his life for us, and then we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, Jesus has said the same thing in the Gospels to his disciples. In John 15, he says, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, and you are my friends. See, what's so amazing about that even verse, not only are we his children, as we talked about last week, that because of Jesus' work, we are his friends. We're no longer enemies. We're his, we are friends of God. So as Christ laid down his life for us, and now he considers us his friends, we ought to do that to others. Now the question arises, is John and Jesus demanding that we give our physical life for others? I don't know, maybe, but probably not. That's not where he's getting at. I think John does give us an example, though, of what it looks like of laying down our our life, of this kind of love. And he goes after our pocketbook, does he not, in verse 17. He said, in light of Christ's self-giving, sacrificial love for us, we should not close our hearts toward those fellow believers in material need. In fact, we cannot close our hearts to them and still rightly claim that the love of God remains in us, John is saying. John is saying, it seems to be communicating, we should, we should never turn our backs on those in our lives that may need material help. We m- never have an excuse to act mean or self-serving to those in need. He even says our words are not enough in verse 18. See, we we must not just talk about love, but we must practice it, John is saying. It is more than just saying, I'm willing to give my resources, but it's saying this, I will and am giving my resources to relieve the needs of others. James 2, 15 through 16 says something similar. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and and in daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep him warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? See, John is getting at that actions often speak louder than mere words. It includes words, but it's always shown in deeds and in works. In fact, if your love is true, then you're responding in biblical act of service to others. Why is that important? Why is John giving this illustration of helping people in material need? What's he getting at? 
Well, he's showing us that as we do that, we're showing our love for God, this vertical love with God, but it's also showing that we love God by loving others. It shows God's love to others. I remember being faced with that a few, many years ago. We were not, we were, you know, in pastoral ministry, didn't have a lot of extra money, but we had a friend who was really struggling. And we, we were faced with, he really had some material need. And what do we do? Do we just say, we're going to pray for you, brother? Or, you know, are we willing to give what we don't really have to help, my, help this brother who was in, in, in desperate need? And by God's grace, as we struggled with knowing what to do and how to love him, and he, God moved in our hearts to, to, to just give him some money that will help him to kind of meet the need that he needed at that moment. Right? But it was a struggle. It wasn't easy. But I, I was convicted. If, if I really love my brother, and, and if, if, even if I don't have that much resources, what resources do I have to care for someone who's in need, especially those of the household of faith? John knows that loving like this can be very difficult. In fact, apart from having a growing, intimate relationship with God, it is almost impossible. Yet if we don't love this way, John is saying, then why would even a skeptic or someone who's searching for meaning even want to know about Jesus? We need God's love to to boost us to love others in sacrificial ways. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus loved us even more extraordinary than we will ever love others. But because of his love in us, we can love in radical self-giving ways. Right? We can bless those who cut us off in traffic. We can forgive those who have sinned against us. We can respect those who have different views from us. We can celebrate a friend who has something that you even desire. We can speak kindly and gently to those who are against you. We can seek the interest of another even when it may cost you what you're doing or want to do. This week I had the privilege of doing a pastoral visit at someone who was at Asbury's Wilson Center. And as I met the wife whose husband has severe Alzheimer's, it was amazing to see God's love in action, God's love in practice. To see this woman who's married many years, they're in their mid-60s, a husband who's despondent that day, was not interacting with her at all, how she spoke gently and kindly to this man that did not give her anything in back in return at the, at the, during that day. It reminded me of Christ's love for us, that even though we're despondent at times, God is always pursuing us, actively reminding us of his love and of his grace. And if God is doing that to us, may God give us grace then to move towards others in loving, thoughtful, caring, compassionate ways. Because that love resides in you. And that's our last section, right? The confirmation of love in our relationships with others. Verses 19 through 24 and verse 4, chapter 4, verse 21. John here gives us five confirmations and assurances of love. Verse 19, he assures our heart. John says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. You see, John, 
just sternly commanded about hypocrisy of doing nothing love. Now in this verse, he extends an olive branch of assurance. It says, by this, by loving others with integrity, we will know. We will know what? We will know the truth. If we, we love more and more in practical ways and helping others in need, then you know you belong to Christ, the one that you've trusted as your Savior. And as you grow in your love for Jesus, then that love will be expressed in loving like Jesus. So not only will we know whom we belong to, but also our hearts will be persuaded, will be assured, so that, so that we do not return to meanness and hate and refuse to help others who are in need. Even before we became Christian, it was very hard for us to love like this. So if we are loving more and more like Jesus, indeed, it is an evidence that we belong to him. But not only do we have assurance of our heart, God works in a more unique way to affect our often condemning hearts. Look at verse 20. He affects our hearts. For for whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. See, John seems to encourage these believers who may be doubting that they belong to him and thus condemning themselves. Right? We're, we, we often, like, am I loving? We, we struggle with that. I know I struggle. I, often it's easy to doubt that I belong to him. It's easy to condemn myself for not acting like I think I should be acting, right? We all know the battle to love in practical ways. We're often selfish. We're often prideful. It often gets in our way from loving like Christ has loved, and we often get discouraged and want to give up. John understands that, so he encourages us here. Don't give up, for God is far greater than our discouragement. God is great, far greater than our doubts. See, God is greater in our hearts. For He's greater in compassion. He's greater in caring for the need. God is active in showing comfort to individuals, right? He's never mean. He always shows generosity to those in need. So because he is, John is saying, you too can show compassion and care for those in need. He is greater, so he can work in you to work through through you. So in times in that battle to practically love, look to God, look to Jesus, for he affects our hearts to love. See, John reminds us that as we look and come to God, we approach a God who knows everything about us. It says he knows everything, right? Yet he still is willing and able to forgive us. He knows all our foolishness. He knows all our guilt. He knows all our disgrace and shame, our thoughts and words before we even speak to him. Yet, God, through Christ, is our advocate, right? Through Jesus' intercession, God's knowledge of our struggle to love can result in pardon and mercy. As we prayed this morning in our prayer of confession, that our hearts long for, rather than condemnation, that our hearts seem to always conjure up in fear. You see, God affects our hearts not only to not condemn us, but also to give us confidence. Look at verses 21 and 22. He gives us confidence. Beloved, if our God does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Again, because we belong to Jesus, and because Jesus is at work on our behalf, we can have confidence before God. Another New Testament writer encourages, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
It's the same confidence that Jesus had when he prayed to his Father, right? Throughout the Gospels, as he prayed, as he prayed for strength, as he prayed for God's will, as he prayed for his other, his, his disciples, right? We see this dependence, this confidence in God's presence, presence that turns the possibility of petitioning God as Jesus taught into reality, right? So as we are growing again in our relationship with God through Christ, our request will not be self-indulgent, but it will grow out of a close attention to what pleases God and furthers his desires. So as we grow in our relationship with God, we find ways to honor God in our lives, especially as it relates to practically loving others in need. You see, a confident child, we can go to our, go to our father and ask for help to radically love in the way that he wants us to love like Jesus. Hear what this verse is not saying. John is not saying, God, since I'm obeying the love command, I want that mansion in Potomac, I want that Lamborghini, I want that A in the test I didn't study for. That is not what he's saying to come and to ask for. But what he is saying is that God's very presence is with me, and so in me, and so I'm confident that I can, by his grace, Love those who are difficult to love. I can actually pray, Father, help me to love that person that I'm struggling to love. Help me, help me to speak in kindness, your kindness. Help me to show compassion. Help me to understand how, how, what's going on in her, his or her life so I can come across and show her or him the love of Christ. We can actively pray and can have confidence that he will help us love that person who is difficult to love, whoever that may be in your life. He assures us of real faith in, chapter, in verses 23 and 421. It says, this is a commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to love one another just as he's commanded us. Again, John reminds us of personal faith in Christ, and, that what's, that, and that's what makes it possible for us to love. See, only belief in Jesus will show itself in loving like Jesus. To, to believe in Jesus involves total commitment and obedience to him. And that commitment shows itself in loving in practical ways. One has said this, love without faith is as bad as faith without love. Love without faith is as bad as faith without love. Or hear this, there could be no obedience of God's command if there's, if, if there's no love for one another. And there could be no love for another person if, there, if people close their hearts to those in need. And there could be no confidence when approaching God in prayer when people close their hearts to fellow believers in need. But as we go to God, all those things can be a reality that we can open our hearts to those in need. We can have confidence when we approach the throne of God in prayer. That we can, not, we can open our hearts to fellow believers in need. That's his work of grace again. And then lastly, he assures us of his abiding. This is Holy Spirit Sunday, right? So I need to mention about the Holy Spirit. But what's great about this passage, we see... We see God the Father at work. We see God the Son at work. Now we see God the Spirit at work, right? Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. See, not only do we have the Father working on our behalf, not only do we have Jesus working on our behalf, we have the Spirit working on our behalf to live and to love in practical ways, Right? You're his his sons and daughters, and as his sons and daughters, he, the Spirit, abides in you, and he gives you the power to love others. 
And he works in our hearts to remind us that we are his children and that we have the capability to love others. See, our abiding in him and his abiding in us is the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you're struggling to love, may you know you have the triune God actively at work helping you to love that person, your spouse, your child, your co-worker, the ones in the community, people among us in our church. See, we are to be defined by love because Christ shows us that love that we're to be defined by. See, love does have everything to do with our relationship, not only with God, but with one another. We seem now not to love in Cain, and we have seen how to love in God and in Christ. We're not left without help. We have not left without insurances and confirmations. See, Jesus is not only our example, but he is our act, he's acted in helping us to live in love as he has lived and loved. And now we have his spirit that ensures us that we belong to him, but also empowers us then to love in practical ways. Friends, children of God, beloved of God, come to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Trust him to know that he can help you to love as God has called us to love. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that we are here today worshiping you because of love, because of your love, because of your son, sending your son Jesus Christ to, to, to show us by the work of the Spirit our, our need of salvation, that we are sinners, broken people, needing restoration, needing forgiveness, needing love. God, thank you for Jesus, the ultimate this demonstration of your love. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, oh, Holy Spirit, help us to love those in our lives in ways that show the love of Christ. Love that is patient, love that is kind, love that is not jealous, love that is not anger, angry, love that is not resentful or bitter. Love that rejoices, love that hopes, love that encourages, love that exhorts our brothers and sisters to know and taste and see that God is good. Help us in this community of believers to show love so that when the world, as the world looks in, they will see the love, that unconditional sacrificial love that you have showed to us, that they would want and desire to know this love that we have. Oh God, do that work of grace in us, through us, individually, corporately, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.